In fact, in an unbroken tradition from New Testament days, the church has practiced baptism. Most churches fundamentally agree that baptism marks the entry into the body of Christ. Now, there are disagreements among Christians about the mode and meaning of baptism. That is not lost on me that I'm preaching this sermon in the Baptist church. But let's nail down some things that we have in common. One, baptism is an outward and visible sign of an inward and a spiritual grace. Two, the church employs the symbol of physical washing as a sign of moral and spiritual cleansing. Three, scripture gives us few, if any, instructions, but all agree that the sacrament is to be taken seriously. Baptism is symbolic of our passing from death into life in Christ. It is the sacrament of the church that marks the reclaiming of our identity. Now, we can't deal with all that baptism means in one sermon, or else I would have lost everybody. But let's focus on the big issue. Baptism as a means of grace. I want to talk about this specifically by talking about infant baptism, and then to talk about it as I talk about adult or believers baptism. With infant baptism comes the perennial question, what good can a child receive from a rite whose meaning they are too young to understand? If you put the question that way, the answer is none. Baptism is neither the value of a vaccination, one jab and you're safe for life, nor the significance of a magic ceremony. It's not a new gift of Christ to the child, but actually the reaffirmation of Christ's perpetual gift to the church, of which the child is now a member. Baptism is a proclamation to the church and through the church to the world that all people have their being in God. This is not a privilege persons acquire through baptism. Children are already the recipients of God's grace, and the church baptizes them because they are. Through baptism, a Christian first and finally learns who he or she is. It is the right of identity. Baptism asserts rather than argues. It proclaims rather than explains. It commands rather than requests. It acts rather than signifies. When you ask in desperation, who in God's name am I? Baptism. Would you have you feel the water dripping from your head and say, you are God's own, claimed and ordained by God's, for God's serious and joyous business? Also, infant baptism is a great example of preeminent grace. Now, don't be misled by the thought that baptism of an infant is primarily for those parents. Sorry, it isn't. It's for the child, 
It's for the parents, and it's for you and me. But it's a great example of preeminent grace. If parents and the church fulfill their responsibility in relation to the child, baptism becomes a means of grace for the child as the child comes to that point where they can claim for themselves the faith into which they have been nurtured. So what happens in infant baptism is not primarily an act of the parents or the child, but of the church and even more so of Christ in the church. Now there are promises made by parents and godparents and the assembled congregation that they will do whatever they can within their power to see that the child does not forfeit their birthright. I have had a couple arguments with someone who was a member of this church about that very thing. To enter into one's inheritance at baptism, to be named by the church on behalf of God as God's child, is to affirm that the child has a share in our common destiny, the common destiny of the church and the kingdom of God. So in laying on of hands with water, the minister acts on behalf of the church for the cause of Jesus Christ. The church is not saying that anyone is not a child of God until they are baptized. We're saying that it is difficult for a person to know that he or she is a child of God until they are baptized. Shift gears now and think about adult baptism or believer's baptism. What happens in adult baptism or believer's baptism or in the proctor? practice of confirmation. That is the self-conscious decision on the part of the individual being confirmed or being baptized to receive by faith the grace which God offers them and which restores them into the family of God. This necessitates a word about entry into the Christian life. The goal toward which God is moving in our lives is that each one of us will be personally and self-consciously aware of and accept God's grace in our own life. That's why when we do confirmation, it's often termed reaffirmation of baptism. By the grace of God, we're justified, made as though we were without sin. That happens through our faithful response to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. St. Paul, in one section of our scripture lesson, Colossians 2.12, says, You were buried with him in baptism, and in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So being buried with Christ is the fact of baptism. Now I want to move on to a crucial point in our understanding. Baptism is not only a means of grace for the one baptized. It is a means of grace for the whole church. It is the entire congregation celebrating that baptism goes back to the memory and meaning of our own baptism. So that, just by 
interesting question. How many of you remember your baptism? And when were you baptized? What age? Now, the rest of us probably don't remember our baptism. But we know that we are gods, examining themselves to see what degree they have kept the faith into which we were baptized. So how are we doing? <coughs> how are we doing in our faith as we are baptized? Working on it. Working on it, yep. There are days, I will admit, that I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. One of the things that we received from Joe Kaiser was this little porcelain um, thing that hangs on the wall, and at the bottom there's a very small little bolt. And so I put it on the wall next to our front door and you put water in that bowl. And when you walk out the door, you make a sign of the cross with that water on your forehead. So you know and you're reminded that you are baptized. Now in a practical sense, the whole church undergoes baptism whenever a person is baptized. When we baptize an infant or when we baptize an adult, each one of us should do within our own consciousness again what we may have experienced unconsciously when as infants we were baptized. That means, I hate to say this to you, but you're never a spectator to baptism. You participate in baptism. We take up our baptism again remembering who we are named as God's people. Now, when depressed or sensed his courage and spiritual strength failing, Martin Luther would lay his hands on his head and say to himself, I am baptized. And so do we, and our identity through baptism become a means of grace. I want to close with this. In the earliest baptismal liturgies, after the person had been baptized, they appeared before the bishop. The bishop embraced the new Christian, then did something of great significance. The bishop would dip his finger into oil and made the sign of the cross on the Christian's forehead. This was known as the signature. The sign of the cross on a person's forehead was like a brand to show ownership. Christians are branded to, who, to show who chose them and now who owns them. I pray that you would remember your baptism. Amen. Amen.